everybody. Welcome to another episode of the podcast where we ask the question, hey, remember the odds? Sure. I'm Courtney. And I'm Tom. Sorry if that same past regressive. What? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what part? Are you going, hmm? Or like, I'm Tom? Sure. That part when I said sure. Oh, okay, okay. Um... No, no, it didn't sound passive-aggressive at all. Okay, that's good. And we talk about everything from the 2000s, from gigantic Tiffany tag necklaces Ooh, that's to... a look. It was a look, and I'm kind of glad it's over. I love Tiffany's, but I'm glad it's over. To... What else is big? Oh, the chain wallets. Oh, Jesus. That was yeah, also Yeah, Odds was all about chains. Yeah. So many chains. Yeah, like, um, Jesus. Lily, I can jump into that and just make fun of the f- chain wallets. Oh, my God. Um, all of the boys had them. Not all the boys. If you, I don't think, if, if you were a jock, you didn't have them. If you liked, if you liked your music edgy, yeah. you had a chain wallet. Yes. Yes, the chain wallet. It also sort of just... Remember wallets? (laughs) I don't even really use a wallet. I just use a card holder. And I just, like, shove my important cards in there. I have come to hate wallets. I don't even... I want, like, um... They don't sponsor us, but maybe one day they will. You ever heard of the Ridge wallet? No. It's this beautiful little device. It's like a... It's like a card holder... But it's like mm-hmm. it's like this crammed little metal like slut that holds like up to I think twenty cards. Oh, I have seen these. Yeah, they're really cool, and I wanted one, but they're like a lot of money, and they don't sponsor yeah. me. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, I just use um like a little leather card holder that my dad gave me years ago, and that's just like what I use because you know what, women's wallets are unnecessarily gigantic. Yeah, they're ridiculously big. And, um... Yeah. Like, guy wallets aren't much better. It's essentially the same amount of material just crammed into this thing that's supposed to sit in your pocket. Right. It's a big, bulging thing. It's like, look at my big, bulging wallet tied to my pants with with fucking chains. Yeah. (laughs) I need to hang on to everything that's in here. That's why there's a chain attached to it. Um, I got a really cute little, like, wallet purse from Betsy Johnson at TJ Maxx. But it's like, that's not really a purse. I mean, that's not really a wallet. Then it's just a small purse. And then that's just all you carry if you go on, like, a cute date. And who goes on dates anymore? Because, you know, we still have to be careful. (laughs) I am advising everybody to go on dates, just careful dates and be smart about them, but enjoy yourself, enjoy your partner, or just enjoy being alone. Take yourself on a date. Yeah. Use that little purse wallet. <laughs> Yo, like, I I know, wallets have, are weird. Yeah, I still have one, and I look at it, and I'm like, How, why did I ever use this? Like, when I, know I was I a have, kid... Go ahead, yeah, yeah. My, sorry, no, when I was a kid, my mom had this wallet, and it was just, like, stuffed to the point that it looked like a small dictionary. Like, you know, a pocket dictionary is never actually that small. Mm-hmm. It's just really wide. That was, like, my mom's wallet as a kid with, like, cards and photos. Like, not just, like, one photo of us as a kid, but, like, every school photo wallet size throughout the years. And I was like, you don't need this, these many photos of us no. in your wallet. Or what about, um, bo- pocket Bibles? You need that. You're, you need that, you know? Just, like, when you casually need to reference, like, a psalm. Or something. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Took a sip this is an interesting drink. episode. It's a great one so far. I'm having we started. We started with Tiffany chains, and then ended up here at the Bible. <laughs> Naturally. Naturally, you know? 
You know what would be an interesting episode now that I think about it? What? Based on my conversation about what happened online dating, it'd be an interesting story mm-hmm. to tell the, the what online dating was like in the aughts, because that was very different. You mean MySpace? My, well, there, I think there, well, there was. There was, like, what was around, um, uh, Match.com. Oh, yeah, Match.com was the big one. Yeah, Match.com, there was a couple, um... Yeah, there was another one that I can't remember right now. Craigslist. (laughs) Did Um, Craigslist start because of, like, a scenario in the movie On the Line with Lance Bass? I don't know, but I imagine it's... Like, it's it's, it's essentially just forums, like, hey, I need this thing, come pick it up. Or or, I, I need this thing, where can I find it? Right, but, like, Craigslist is a whole love thing was missed connections, right? And that's basically yes. what the movie On the Line was. Mm-hmm. We'll have to watch On the Line. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, like, I can't even imagine, because we were young dumbins. Actually, we were in high school in the aughts. Did, was I? No, I wasn't. I don't think I used dating apps until they were mobile. No, so we... We started our odds journey in the third grade. In the third grade. So that's eight. And then, yeah. And uh, then we were 18 by 2009. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. So, yeah, a lot has changed. Yeah. So that's still an interesting story to tell one day, maybe, but that's that's all I had to contribute to this part of the conversation. <laughs> it was like odds dating online. Odds datings is weird. Although you aren't wrong, MySpace was definitely a place for like teens to like meet. Yeah. I I'm... think that um I think that that we all know some person, and I, I might have mentioned this during our MySpace episode. But we all know that one person where they were predominantly like, oh, how did you meet your, like, boyfriend or whatever? And they were like, oh, I met them on MySpace. I thought they were cute. And it's like, how do you pull that off? And multiple times. Like, there was always that one person that, like, did that with everybody they knew. Oh, yeah. Well, like, mm-hmm. I I definitely made a few friends from MySpace. Some I met in IRL. I should probably catch up with them, see how they're doing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Separately, I love how meme culture has come so far that, like, I've spent time being like, I don't think that that was actually said in the anime. And now that has become a meme. Like, meme (laughs) culture is ruthless now. So ruthless. If I dare question the validity of the anime post, then the person is just like, oh, look at you. You know the anime. Yeah, you can get dumped on for being the person who knows the reference. And then I'm like, okay, fine. (laughs) It's come full circle. We deserve it. Yeah, no, it's totally fair. But do you want to jump into this topic? Yeah, let's get started on the actual topic. All right, we are on our one-hit wonder series of the Mm -hmm. aughts. It's been a journey. It's been it's been an interesting one. We've had a bit of variety. Like no song has been identical. Yes, we have definitely created a variety of music. I did not want us to just sort of stick to what like our favorites were. So, we actually chose a bunch that we do not like. <laughs> so, I think that's good. Oh yeah. But mm-hmm. today's episode is an interesting one, one that I didn't really give much thought into, but what a story, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at the time when I was a kid, the song would start and I'd just be like, no, I want to turn it off. Well, because it was, and, it was yeah. blown up as like yes. that, it was like that dance summer hit. And it was, if you weren't into, like it was definitely that song that when it came on at dances and stuff like that, all the popular kids like that was just with their song, and for dum dums like me, it was just like, uh, okay, I get it. I want to be home. I want to play Grand Theft Auto. 
I want to listen to my Linkin Park CD and be angsty and write yeah. terrible scripts about werewolves. For me, it was the uh-ohs. The uh-ohs? As soon as I would hear the uh-ohs, I was like, I hate this. Turn it off. Like, it's not even the rhythm at first. Like, the rhythm, you're like, you're kind of into it. The boom, da-doom. And then I'm like, okay. Uh-oh. No. No. Yeah. But no. as adults, we've come... I have a lot of respect for her and this, you know, and the history of the song and what yeah. what came of it, why it blew up to such a big hit. And, like, it's really a fascinating DIY, DIY, DIY sort of mm-hmm. hit. Like, this girl made it entirely on her own and it got swept up by, like, everybody else. Mm-hmm. And... I guess we. I should announce it. It's the song. Today we are talking about the song Never Leave You by Luma D. Insert song right here. Yeah. So. Released in May of 2003. This song really is like a summer song, too. Like, it, it really is idealistically a summer song. Also, I would like to tie this back to just for a hot second the indie rock nature of like the hipster era of the 2000s that were so dead set on being like, oh, indie music, indie music. This song is a true independent bop. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This was like, released by her. Yeah, it, it, it not only was it released by her, but it's like the start of her own, like, it, it was released under an independent label she started, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, this is an incredible thing. Like, we also got the, the privilege of learning a little bit about her and, like, her upbringing. Like... For a quick context, I have her story over here. I'm going to take this opportunity to talk about the artist herself. Lumidy. Do you know how to Lumidy. Lumidy. So let's talk about the artist for a hot second. Lumidy mm-hmm. is an American rapper and songwriter. She blew up in 2003 following the release of her track Never Leave You, which, as we all know, is the song featuring all the uh-ohs, and that honestly really dope track, like that beat that follows in it, which that is its own interesting story that I do am not qualified to really speak on at all. But yeah, it, is worth, yeah we... it is worth mentioning and noting that the track used in the song is was already sort of a very popular international hit from... Uh, the song title is called Never Leave You, parentheses, uh-oh, uh-oh. And the funny thing is, is if you listen to the album, the first song, honestly, is actually the same exact song. But the difference about Never Leave You, the single, is that it uses the beat Diwali rhythm, which is very popular in international music, um, predominantly from Jamaican culture, and during the aughts, there is a wave of musicians who use this in, like, the dance hall hip-hop scene, uh, most notably that you could think of is, like, Sean Paul and some other musicians. We feel like this is a very important aspect of music from the aughts, but being two white people from Long Island, we do not think that we should be the ones to go into that detail together alone without someone who can properly speak on it yeah it's a very detailed and rich history and um we are i am not at all equipped to properly give it its proper respect exactly Uh, yeah i i do know that dilali rhythm is an album and it's a popular i from what i can gather a what they would call a dance hall rhythm which is kind of Mm -hmm. the jamaican term for the beat or the track that's used to to accompany a song and there's that is a i have fascinating history like Cordy said hopefully we can get to do this with proper guidance from someone who knows better than us yeah if you know somebody or a podcaster 
who you think would be really interested in joining us and sharing that conversation, then um, please feel free to reach out to us on our email, rememberthoughts at gmail.com. Um, we love working with other podcasters and we'd love to do it again. And I think that this would be a really good space for us to do that with. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. A hundred percent. So back to Lumidi. Mm-hmm. So from an interview where she actually, I think she, uh, produced it. She kind of tells the story of this first album. Uh, she says a lot of her influence comes from her father, her father, um, who was for a moment in her life, uh, he would write her letters. He, I believe he was in, unfortunately incarcerated, but he was kind of like her big supporter and was always like, oh, I'm still waiting on the songs for you to, you know, I'm still waiting on these tracks for you to record. And she just kind of, she talks about how um, the Harlem representation, she didn't feel there was like a lot of Harlem representation in music or East Harlem representation in music. Mm-hmm. And she just kind of found this creative outlet in poetry. She was also um, bedridden and used that time to kind of create this outlet of creating poetry and then eventually turning these poetries into songs and then put together what she called essentially a demo reel of songs. Mm-hmm. And that blew up. And I remember reading like, oh my God, like her songs, like this song, Never Leave You, was just being requested nonstop on New York City radio stations to be played, and it just blew up from there. And that's when Universal Music comes along, mm-hmm. and is like. So usually, yeah. What happens is if uh, an album or a track is really, really popular, and there is no representation, like with what happened with Lumidi, there will be a bidding war, and mm-hmm. companies will fight over. They'll offer the best deal for the track and that's when universal uh won the bidding war and what's interesting is that like they won the bidding war and like she talks about how it's interesting to hear her story you know looking back because Mm -hmm. the way she put it she goes they won the bidding war and immediately they just took it and put it out there right they did a remix with uh buster rhymes Yes. And Fabulous. Am mm-hmm. I right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fabulous and Dusta Rhymes, which that's the version I think most people are familiar with. Right. My favorite part of the Busta Rhymes remix is just him going, here she comes with the uh-ohs. <laughs> here she comes. Here comes the uh-ohs. doing the uh-ohs. <laughs> like him commenting on... Her singing is so funny. I mean, I think I think Buster Rhymes is great. I just love that he's like, she's doing the uh-ohs. You know what else he did in 2003? What? He karate kicked Michael Myers in Halloween Resurrection. Oh my god, really? Is that yes, a thing? this is... Let me double check to make sure. Okay. <laughs> Trick or treat, motherfucker. This movie is... Awful, but fun. There's a disservice done to singers of, like, singers of color who enter into the horror movie scene because, like, like I'm getting flashbacks to Kelly Rowland being in the Freddy vs. Jason. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, man. Halloween Resurrection. <laughs> yeah, it was 2002. I'm sorry. Which, that movie, okay. that we have to cover as a special bad movie but it had there was a cool (laughs) feature of the movie that it like was somewhat also found footage okay because the premise is they take a bunch of kids on an mtv show hosted by buster rhymes to live the night in michael myers house and there's like oh my god so he plays buster rhymes no, no, no. He plays the host of the show. I just said Buster Rhymes. Oh, okay. I would have loved it if he just straight up was Buster Rhymes in this movie. <laughs> so he hosts the show where there's live camera feeds feeding to an online audience that can watch in real time as these kids explore the Meyer house. Lo and behold, Michael Myers actually shows up and starts butchering these kids. Uh, one of my favorite things about this movie is that this came out in 2002. Mm-hmm. The brand, the the bandwidth capabilities of live streaming video are impossible in oh, 2002. Garbage. 
Yeah. This would never have happened in 2002, but I love it anyway. I was going to say, it's actually very, like, oh my god, words. My my throat is, like, oddly, like, sore today. Um, it It's it's very prolific for its time. Like, I feel yeah. like now that fits in very well with, like, the live streaming aspect. There's um, Spree, the Joe Keery movie. Like, it's actually a really great premise when I think about it. Yeah. Like the movie, yeah. that's the crazy thing about it. It's a bad movie, but the premise, right. the premise and some scenes are actually really cool and well executed. And I think it just suffers from like pushing it out as soon as possible and just be like, go, 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 go. Cause the movie's bad. Right. Right. <laughs> but interestingly Naturally. enough, it was directed by the same guy who directed the Halloween two in 1981. Oh, okay. Returning face, who is not John Carpenter, begrudgingly old, angry John Carpenter, who rightfully is angry. They they, they owe him a lot of money for okay. all the proceeds he never got for the original Halloween. This is all stuff I know nothing about. This is all stuff I know way too much about. <laughs> <laughs> but so, um, okay, so the remix comes out with Buster Rhymes and Fabulous. Yes. And basically, she says in this video that we watched about the 15th anniversary of her first album that she didn't get to have the experience of going into the studio, working with a producer to handcraft her sound, her message, what kind of music she wants to make. They're just like, we have to strike while the iron's hot. Go, go, go. Just give us as much as you want. So... It's still very much, she's on her own. She's really given no guidance, no, like, critical lens of how to approach her music. So, unfortunately, then, when the album doesn't really take off because there are no other singles like this one, then all the criticism falls on her, too, which I don't think is fair. Yeah, no, it's really not fair, and, like... And I think something that you and I cr talked about before we got into the story of the song, mm -hmm. we felt almost like this amateurish quality. Mm -hmm. Like you could tell it's like a song, like it's it's a hit. Like we we hear the song, we know it's a hit. We're not denying that, but it just feels a little. There there seems to be maybe some pieces missing, and I think that when you get to hear her story, it makes a lot of sense. She was making songs to express these feelings and she wanted to work on them, but the studio just kind of, no, here it is, go. Like you said, they may make a remix with Busta Rhymes, which I don't even think, if you listen to the remix, it doesn't even sound like they redid it. They literally just took the original song and put Busta Rhymes and Fabulous over it. Right. Basically what they do with the song is just show less of her singing. Mm-hmm. Uh -huh. Yeah, and I think part of the issue when I listen to Honestly, which is what this song really is, it's not Never Leave You, the song is actually Honestly, without the new rhythm and without the uh-ohs. So it makes a lot more sense with the rhythm of that song. It's much more calmed down, and also it makes sense to me why an album would have two different versions of the same exact song, and then she's got two other songs on there that are less than a minute, because she was probably just rushing to develop a full album. Yeah. So, honestly, has more of a beat that makes sense, the way she's singing the lyrics makes more sense, and then I think when they add the stronger up-tempo to Never Leave You, instead of keeping up with the rhythm, they just sort of drag out the vocals. And that's where I think we start to see the inconsistencies in her voice. That's when she starts to sound flat. That's when her voice clearly doesn't sound like it has enough production over it. And that's where I was like, just objectively hearing it for the first time, really, because I spent so many years in the aughts just avoiding it. Hearing it really for the first time today, I was like, oh my god, this does not sound good. But now I know with a full picture and her story that that's not her fault. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I do want to give some credit to uh, the original track that she had worked on. Mm -hmm. was worked on with uh, DJ Ted Smooth. He's a New York mm -hmm. City-based uh, DJ. And I think that that might be... Because I don't really know for sure. I think that might be where the original like uh, 
uh, track for the song comes from and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of moving pieces to this. Like it, that's what it is. It's like the creation of an album that jumped, that started at point A with a solid demo track and like this expression that just became incredibly popular to mm-hmm. all of a sudden being a completed studio push with no in between of like working on the album with like studio equipment actually going into i mean i don't know if she did like i've seen live performances where she performs with you know um buster rhymes but like did they actually re-record the song in the studio like i don't think so like you know it's right it's this weird interesting thing that happened where the song because that's what i remember i remember the song blowing up and it was like the summer song of 2003 it was everywhere it was a hit and then that was it you know Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm yeah i think that in the album and in this song Like, you know, she talks a lot about, like, growing up in Spanish Harlem, and I feel like that's really important because Harlem is such a fusion of so many cultures and so many people who feel like they were put in this space, okay, this is where you get to be, and out of that redlining and out of all of that prejudice came this, like, behemoth of talent and mix of cultures and like for her to say, like, I want to represent this. It was really important. And Harlem is such a beautiful community and full of so much talent that it makes sense to me that her music wants to highlight that. I just think that you need sometimes a guide to get that into the right place. You know, like if she had the sort of attention and curation that Olivia Rodrigo is getting on her first album, I'm sure she would do fantastic. Oh, yeah. That was a very interesting thing we were talking about today. Like, And she even mm-hmm. mentions in the interview, she's like, there wasn't really social media. So her only feedback from her album was critics. And the critics right. were like, oh, it's a one-hit track and that's it. And it really hurt. It like, You could see where like it really didn't encourage further development. She has another album after this. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't really get to see the audience it's connecting with until, like, 15 years later, you know? Right. And it's like, damn. She's only 19 when this takes off, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So just picture yourself as a 19-year-old. How are you going to know what a mass response to your music is going to be? Yeah. With no proper guidance or... This, I think, is a very clear case of mismanagement. And Oh, yeah. I think also, you know, I was looking at her other songs, and that's where I found in one of the songs, oh, she's actually a really good rapper. So I kind of wonder what her career would be like now if she was given this new platform where I feel like we're looking more forward to female rappers now than when she first started. I think back then it was very important for female rappers to also also focus more on singing and have that balance. They didn't want... like I feel like it was really difficult for female rappers back then to just be a female rapper and that's it. Oh, yeah. So I kind of wish she could start over now and like really show her skills as a rapper because I think that's where she sounds more confident. That's where it seems like she's very comfortable and I think that uh, she would do a really great job now. Oh, yeah. No, it's interesting to think about how different the circumstance would be now. Right. Exactly. And I mean, like, social media plays such an important aspect in music now. I mean, it's essential for advertising. Like, look at Lady D for Resident Evil. <laughs> Jesus Christ. She's only one of the four bosses of the game. Yeah. I love how they just, like, never really said that. I thought that Lady D, I figured there would be, like, a shadowy figure above her. But then as soon as you start and they're like, no, Mother Miranda's the big baddie, I'm like, okay, whatever. But, like, Lady D. Mother Miranda, who yeah. had trained Oswald Spencer, who would then go on to make Umbrella. The The lines are all connected. The mold connects to zombies somehow. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. The mold and the zombies and the parasites and the Las Plagas. Oh my god, they didn't even talk about Las Plagas. Oh no, that means they're gonna... There's so... Mm-hmm. This game... This, this franchise has way too many things going on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, the, you know, that's a perfect example of how now social media is essentially 
like the penultimate ship for guiding advertising. You know, yeah. if mm-hmm. if you don't have social media behind your back or, you know, propelling your product forward, like, what do you do? Yeah, and I wonder, and I have to think, how many people remember this song more for Busta Rhymes, you know? like That's a good question. A, like, you had mentioned it before, it was already difficult, you know, trying to make it as a female rapper in this time. And we had female rappers, we're not saying there weren't. But the right. the, up, the battle was a lot different. And then also being a Hispanic music performer, trying to also introduce into the rapping, you know, into into the rap genre, that mm-hmm. I think that's an interesting question that I am not qualified to know. But I imagine yeah. it's a very unique experience in this era. And like, I part of me thinks the studio pushed to literally just take this really popular track, this track that's like, making the rounds on New York City radio stations being requested nonstop. And then they're like, all right, let's just take this, but mm-hmm. put a man on it. And this yeah. isn't a slight against Busta Rhymes. Actually, I do like his verses on it. Right. But it's like, his this is... skill like a... is, like, nobody can top him. Like, I, oh, yeah. I think he is fantastic at what he does. But to be fair, like, did she need to have this like was this pushed on her because they thought that this would make it a more viable track it like it feels like if given actual studio time to make a proper album then like you we we could have gotten more of a polished product from her where she's Mm -hmm. like really representing herself her community or her story whereas instead we get the song because it almost seems like the studio just they saw the song they put all the effort into the song and the rest of the songs are like demos she was like had like hadn't even completed mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's crazy yeah i think that you know back in the early 2000s like yes there were female rappers like i love lauren hill and like everybody like remembers lil kim and missy elliott but they weren't allowed to take up the same space in mainstream music the way that we are allowing them. And also, hopefully, some record labels are allowing them to take up space in mainstream music now. You know, I feel like now you can list off a lot of musicians who are on the mainstream media and, like, on the top 100 billboards, but back in the day, it wasn't like that, you know? And it was a much harder battle for female rappers at the time. It was much more difficult for them to take their space in the music record industry. And just for the record, when Courtney says us, not literally Courtney and I, we did not have any power or influence in the music industry. Wait, did I say us? When did I say <laughs> you us? You did. Wait, what? <laughs> no, I'm joking. Don't worry. I'm teasing because you, you're like, we. You said we wouldn't allow the space. And my brain oh, was just I? like, and my brain was just I like, mean, I like didn't the do collective. anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, as like the collective, like I know, I music know. listening you, population. Don't worry. <laughs> don't worry, don't worry. I'm no, no, Tom and I did do this personally. Uh, we we actually it. are like the League of Shadowy figures in the music industry. <laughs> He's not supposed to tell them. Oh, right. My See, that's why I'm messing this up. <laughs> Don't worry at all. Don't worry at all. Just take away my boat in Private Island in Ibiza. Wait, I want a boat. Why can't I have a boat? <laughs> I do love boats. There's we something live on an about island. it. Why isn't it yeah. when you're, we're born on an island and we don't have boats? I mean, now nobody can get a boat. Because no. everybody has boats. I did want to ask. Yeah. Because an interesting thing, I haven't really looked at it as much as you have. The yeah. lyrics. Let's yeah. look at the lyrics because interesting when we wa- when we watched her talk about the making of the song, she talks about making poetry first, then turning them into songs. Would you say that that kind of makes sense with the lyrics of the song? Hmm. I was thinking about that because I think that there is sort of an element of, like, incomplete prose in the lyrics that are very similar in poetry. Okay. You know, um, like, some musicians like to tell a story 
some musicians are trying to tell a narrative. It does feel kind of like these are thoughts that kind of, like, show a picture, but not a complete picture. Yeah. Um, because it says, like, there aren't, there ain't no ups and downs, no in and outs. We're here right now. Hmm. And that's not really saying, like, I feel like another musician could have gone into specifically the ups and downs. What, what ups and downs? What ins and outs? So, it does feel sort of like she's, like, ruminating on things. Okay. Yeah. And interesting, because I'm looking, the chorus translates well. Like, you know, it's, if you want me to stay, I'll never leave. If you want me to stay, we'll always be. Like, that works. I like that. It's nice, smooth. But then I think when you get to the verses, it's a little bit different. And also, I'm not nearly as musically inclined as you are. I'm a dumb dumb who just hears things and goes, does this make sense in my brain? Well, we are responsible for the music industry. So, you know, there is that. (laughs) (laughs) If I'm responsible for the music industry, that explains a lot of why it's garbage. If we were responsible for the music industry, though, that would explain a lot why pop punk is coming back. Yes. Yeah, we made that happen. So what's your take on this verse? Mm -hmm. The verse two. Now how you're loving back, we're happy, it's a fact. Can't nothing hold us back. We got this in the bag. Yeah, it, it's not very clear. And that's, like, that's the element of it that makes me think of poetry. And there's some very specific poetry, very, like, specif- specified, like, detailed poetry. Um, but it is very general. Like, it doesn't mm-hmm. explain, like, a specific scenario. And the, the words chosen are kind of general to begin with. This feels like I'm almost reading a little bit more of a poem, which, fun fact, I am reading poems now. Thank you for that. You're welcome. I'm glad. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I could see this being, like, the working of a poem and then trying to force it into a verse of a song. You're right. I think a song would have gone a little bit more specific in telling a specific type of story. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, that's interesting. I'm I'm just kind of breaking it apart now and trying to pretend like I have music inclination. (laughs) Like, um, you know, there's one part, I think it's the... Um, pre-chorus where she says I never thought you'd be the one to make me shine brighter than the sun that I feel like could be a component that could be its own song entirely like she's feeling confident now she feels like she can take on the world like that's a whole song that I want okay yeah so I think that she's like working with ideas here but I think that there are different parts that maybe tell different stories or like, could have gone deeper in, into something different. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. All right, that makes sense. Because I'm just trying to piece together in my head, like, okay, see the inner workings of this. That's insane. Just imagine, like, I, I know we already said it's insane, but, like, I'm, as we're reading this lyrics and we're kind of understanding the mindset of this young girl making art, yeah. imagine, like, you're, like, it's not that it's her first draft. It's not her first draft, but it's like, this is like your, like she said, like her demo. Imagine your demo gets yeah. taken and is now like the radio hit with Busta Rhymes, but that's it. And separately, you could also make the argument in contrast to this that like what makes it so relatable, what makes it so playable is that there is sort of a generalization of the lyrics. Sometimes mm. people do like that it's not a specific story and maybe that's part of the component that got it played all the time. True. So there's True. that too. Or it or it's the uh-ohs. Uh-oh. Yeah, see that it just it drove me crazy as a kid. <laughs> and that's totally fair. Yeah. That wasn't good enough for my like Green Day Von Bondi's heart, you know? <laughs> Listen, I was linking I was listening to Lincoln Park. Yeah. I think I was day. one of those kids that like wanted to hate on Green Day but actually like really enjoyed it. I think they got that a lot as part of their reputation. They are not liked now, and I think rightfully so. They definitely went, like, the really obnoxious, angsty dad rock avenue. Like, what is their whole thing? Like, like, no DJs, no Swedish DJs, no record producers. It's just straight rock, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like this follows up with, like, 
a really bad Coors Light and an uncomfortable conversation. That's also what the thing about the odds. I mean, we've talked about it before. The difference between political music of the odds versus political music now. Political music of the odds was still so generalized that anyone... Yeah. Like, literally, the album was called American Idiot. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was perfect at the time for being like, Bush, that guy? I don't like that guy. I don't like his whole vibe. Okay, but, like, what exactly do you agree with? Do you disagree with this conflict? How do you feel about this conflict? I don't need to explain it to you. (laughs) A matter of fact, if you explained (laughs) issues in America, you you were chastised and you were a dork. Yeah, exactly. Now I you feel like you just had to things, be angry yeah. at things. You just had to be angry at at anything. Yeah. Nothing in particular. Yeah, just like rules. Not any specific rules, just rules as a concept. That's all you had to be angry at. Do you remember their song Wake Me Up When September Ends was like <laughs> this big like people were like, "Oh my god, it's just a big massive important anti-war song because the music video involves a boy falling in love and going to war and he almost dies." Um that music video was the start of Evan Rachel Wood and Jamie Bell's relationship. That's fascinating. I know. <laughs> There's I love this, it. I'm not gonna lie, like, yeah. when those songs come on, like, when Holiday comes on, I still kind of have a bop to it. It is a no, very I still love Holiday. Song, but, like, it's interesting to see how they've, where they've come since. I do love that guitar chord. I, like, it, it is very emotive and evocative. Um, I don't think I could listen to Boulevard of Broken Dreams or Wake Me Up When September Ends Again. On the Boulevard of Dreams. Also, another uh uh-oh that I just can't vibe with. Uh, 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 uh. I I will be so impressed if we have any listeners after this episode. (laughs) We'll have all of them. them. We have all All of them. them. Yeah, all Um, the listeners. But yeah, so I... I've thoroughly enjoyed looking into Lumi D's career. I'm actually really glad that we took the time to research this song because as a kid, I just, I never wanted it on. I I just did not vibe with it at all. That's fine. It wasn't meant for me and that's cool. Um, But now looking at it full picture and like getting to hear her talk about her experiences and how important like making music was for her dad and, like, that her dad was her number one supporter. Like, um, I I really love that we've gotten, like, a bigger picture of, like, what essentially went wrong with this career of hers, but also, like, what kind of is special about it and unique and what is essentially her story. It's an incredible DIY sort of tale. She made this song bare bones in like, in her, like in her in her neighborhood, and it just blew up. Yeah, you know, like and it's I, crazy. I feel like also like her story of being homesick and having to be isolated and homeschooled and creating art out of it is so important to what is happening now. You know. Oh yeah. Yeah. This was a good... Yeah. I, this was fun. I really enjoyed uh, no, looking into her one. career. Yeah. yeah, so where would we fit... The, actually, wait. Our emer- I just realized our emerging... Our, our trends list is the emerging rock trends. Right. I want to do another one for singer-songwriter. Just heads up, y'all. Um, I want to do another one for singer-songwriter. So maybe... We could start that with Luma D because she, I consider her a singer-songwriter. She created all of this herself. I think she deserves to be on that list. Yes. So why don't we start that now? Okay. Do we want to keep the same categories? Because I don't, I don't think the same so categories I'm would going apply. To open up pop a music. A new Google wouldn't... sheet. Yeah. Um... I don't think pop music would have necessarily the same like. Mutual or self-assured destruction, denouncement of society, no. take whatever you... Th- no. Definitely not. Because, like, when I'm thinking of, like, singer-songwriter emerging trends, I'm thinking of, like, Michelle Branch, Vanessa Carlton, who all also have, like, their own struggles with the music industry and, like, how they did or did not guide them. So, yeah. I think that would be interesting. Okay, emerging trends. 
in singer. Oh my god, then we could put Ashley Simpson on here too. Ah, uh, there it yes. is. Yes. Oh wait, can we put her on both maybe? Because she's so alternative. Yeah, um, hmm. and I wasn't saying that against you, I was just thinking, I'm like, oh my god, like, yeah, I guess, <laughs> I guess Ashley Simpson um, gets to okay. go on the rock chart, too. I mean, she's living in the shadow of someone else's dream, you know? She it's is, rough life. she is. That is, I'm not, I'm not talking shit, I'm just like... <laughs> I mean, I was like... being sarcastic, but... <laughs> Although I really, really want to read Jessica Simpson's book. We'll have to go into Jessica Simpson at some point, too, because, I mean, wow. Oops, okay. Hold on. Bye. Lumidee. Okay, so let's kind of, like, set the tone for our new emerging trends in singer-songwriters from the 2000s. What do we feel like this song represents? What is, like, what is the theme of this song? What is um, its message that it is trying? I'm mean, like, it's so general, so it's, like, hard for me to... Well, it, if you want me, it's, it's, it's very romanticized, like, like a romanticized crush. I, I, um, is that a fair way to put it? I don't know. I think that's fair. I'm trying to think, you know what, let me look up this song on like genius or let me see what does this wikipedia page say uh these lyrics are different hold really? up really hold on hold up okay so the original lyrics are there ain't another i don't want no other lover i put nothing above yet i kick them to the gutter they trying to shake me. You know you're loving me crazy. Look at us lately and tell them who's your lady. And then her verse after Buster Rhymes raps is, Never ever want to let you go. Tell me what you're feeling because I want to know. If you're around, you know I'm down. I'll be that girl that keeps you around. I'm only here just because it feels good. Say enough to keep you right. Believe your love. I never thought you'd be the one that make me shine brighter than the sun. So that's kind of similar to the original lyrics. There ain't no ups and downs, no winning out. You're here right now. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh. What do you think? I think we should go with the original song. Yeah. Um... I do think it's very interesting how they're, like, completely different lyrics. And even the uh-ohs in the remix version are different. They're like, okay. uh, uh, uh-oh, uh, uh, uh-oh. So that's, like, different than the uh-oh, uh-oh. Like, that's, okay. yeah. you know, already a different thing. So I think that we should go with the original song, but that also makes yeah. it more general. Hmm. Okay, I think we should do never-ending love. Yeah. I think that should be a theme, because I know that's going to come up in the future. She says, like, love endlessly will always be. Can't nothing yeah. hold us back. Like, I, I think, like, a never-ending love. Amen, I can agree to that. Okay, because I feel like that's a very popular theme in singer-songwriter. Yeah, no, you're, I would agree, yeah. Okay. Never-ending love. I'm going to make this look better later. We just needed, Don't like, worry. the core <laughs> worry components to starting a new Emerging Trends file. All right. So that's it, where we stand with Never Leave You, Uh-Oh, Uh-Oh by Luma D on our yeah, new Yeah, what a, what a journey. Trends. Yeah. Hell yeah. I'm so glad that we covered this one. Yeah, this it's really... We were talking about songs to pick. Yeah. And it's one of those weird things where, like, I remember the song, but I don't think much about it other than that. And then you learn the story, and I'm like, oh, there's more here. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole other episode where it's, if we're going to talk about Jamaican music. Yes. Yeah. Not us specifically. Once again, not, not the League of Shadowy no. Figures from the music industry. We will not do it. 
I listened to way too much Linkin Park to give in a real opinion about Jamaican music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Same about Green Day. I think there should be, like, a certain threshold of, like, if you listen to this much, not that you can't listen to both, like, Jamaican music and Green Day. We just specifically feel like us with our history of listening and to our life, other previous yeah. bands. Our yeah, life that, experiences like, does not give us credence in this avenue. Exactly. And we shouldn't. No. <laughs> it shouldn't be us. <laughs> no, it should. That's fine. Yeah. But, so, yeah, so, um, I'm looking forward to our next episode. I, I mean, it's yeah. probably going to be some, uh, like, less interest. I don't know. We've got some interesting ones left over. I think uh, the next one, if the next one's what I think it is, I am very excited to just rip on it and the culture that surrounds it because it's a stupid song and the culture around it was very stupid. I don't okay. feel any guilt saying that right now. I am 50-50 on the songs that we have left. We have uh, four songs left. Two of them, okay. I am like, let's go. I'm excited to talk about this and look into these a lot more. And then the other two, I'm 100% with you on those. <laughs> I am so ready. <laughs> Drink right, my so beer, we'll smoke my weed. <laughs> <laughs> what a stupid song. Yeah. It's going to be so dumb. Oh, I'm so ready. <laughs> okay, Courtney. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. What has, what has been your obsession? I finished Persona 5 again. <laughs> Not again. Nice. How many hours? How many hours? I don't want to talk about it. Um, <laughs> that game, easily of the two runs that I've played it, uh, is almost 300 hours. Wow. Yeah, um, got deftly silent in here. Um, <laughs> no, no, I get it. Uh, I get it. <laughs> Listen, Persona's a great game, and it is conveying a message that is relevant to what is happening to our society. Do we, as a society, choose to break apart from it and push each other to really make ourselves uncomfortable and look at what's happening? Or do we stick with the status quo because it is comfortable and safe and it doesn't require us to think much? So, I don't know. It's good. It's fun. And also, like, all the monsters are mythology-based and not just, like, Greco-Roman mythology but they cover creatures from all kinds of storytelling, including, like, Mesopotamian, Egyptian, like, I don't know, it's, it's a good game. It's a lot of fun, and you get a lot more out of it the second time around. Like, the game sets itself up that you should play it again, and that's Okay, great. cool. Yeah. Also, oh, yeah. Um, they just released a teaser trailer for their racing game, and I'm totally for it. What is with Persona and, like, these weird spin-off? Wasn't there also a dancing game for Good Persona? Good question, Tom. So, <laughs> every Persona game since Persona 3 has had a dancing game. So, Persona 3 has its separate dancing game. Persona 4 has a separate dancing game. And then Persona 5 has its own dancing game. And part of the reason is that whatever the theme of that Persona game is... They really develop amazing music to accompany it. So, like, Persona 5 is about thieves and being tricksters and pulling heists. So, all of the music has this, like, really cool, jazzy, like, it's time to end this. Like, we're here to, like, break against this politician or this teacher or this person who structurally is supposed to be like a good person but totally isn't. We're going to call them out. And it's really good. So they make dance games. And then they always do the new game plus, which is like they go back, they rework the game, release it again, and people love it. So they've got a great system going for them. I don't know. That's, that's a lot. It's a lot, and, like, that. it's all I really need from a video game. I don't have to, like, you know, I don't like first-person shooters. I don't really like shooter games in general. 
you don't really ever get stuck in the game. It's kind of hard to get stuck. It like leads you with the narrative. It's a good game. I totally get that. I'm not saying yeah. that that way. I'm just like, that's a lot for me to wrap my head around. Cause I just, no, it is a lot. My weekly obsession was beating Resident Evil 8. A phenomenal nice. experience. Loved it. We'll play again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the game. I personally, like being a horror person, I think I like 7 a little more. 7 is much more bare bones and simple. And it's a straightforward, mm-hmm. like, haunted, well, not haunted house, but like horror movie escape the house type of scenario. Right. Resident Evil 8, very gothic fairy tale, very large than life. Great, st- gr- fun story. Uh, we stand Ethan. He's the best. We love good dads on this podcast. What can we yes, say? Yes, we do. We love a good dad. Ethan's the best. Love, appreciate you. And I'm reading poems from the Halsey book you gave me. Yay! Yeah, their so book is really that. good. You're welcome. It was really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I yeah, I love poetry. Um, so once you said like I'd like to get into reading, but I'm not good at reading, and I've given you comic books, and you haven't finished those. I'm very bad at reading. So I figured, like, why not poetry? Poetry is such a nice, like, simple way to get into reading, and it's quick, you know? And I so. appreciate that. Thank you. Good. I'm glad you like it. Um, It's funny that, like, you, you feel like Persona is a lot, but also, like, Resident Evil definitely, I mean, it has movies. Yeah, but we, I don't talk about <laughs> I don't talk about those movies. Although the trailer for the animated one on Netflix looks oh my really God. good. It looks so good. Yeah, I'm excited it's for that. This, it's the same voice actor. It's the same voice actor and it's the same two voice actors from the remake of Resident Evil 2. It's oh, the really? same people who did Claire and Leon. Yeah. That's awesome. Leon, certified hottie in this. Leon new Scott series. Kennedy. Yeah. Um,. No, he he looks good, like very like Keanu Reeves, you know. Yeah, yeah, I'm very into it. Um, I, I think that like with Resident Evil Seven, at the time when it first came out, it seemed so not what had come before it, and such yeah. a departure from what the series had been. But I feel like, as sort of like the stepping stone for Resident Evil Eight, it actually works really really well. Oh, it, it does really well. And, uh, yeah, apparently they've also been working on Resident Evil 9 at the same time. So hopefully we get that in, like, Damn. two, three years. Good for them for just, like, completely revamping their entire industry. I think Final Fantasy needs a little help with that. Like, oh, yes. Final Fantasy yeah. is honestly Silent Hill. Yes. Konami dropped the fucking ball really bad on that one. That's a yeah. famous story. Square Enix, too. They just got so wrapped up in Kingdom Hearts 3 and Final Fantasy 7, which, like, Final Fantasy 7 has been doing fine, but it has not garnered the, like, mainstream population the way that, like, Resident Evil, like, came back full force. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, they really they really took the time to think about what they were doing. Good on them. Hell yeah. Yeah. All right. Do you, want, do you want me to wrap here? Yeah, sure. All right. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. It was a fun one. Yeah. <laughs> it's also, uh, wow, I realized that we recorded this in May when the song came out. It's definitely a summer bop. Oh, perfect. There was, yeah. Totally. I feel like I feel like I didn't get into summer songs until like the 2010s. Like I was definitely a fan of what what were some big summer songs of our time? It was like Oh my god, are you kidding? Stereo Love. Party Rock. Stereo, Party Rock. Stereo Party Love. Party Rock is the um, big one. Um, um what was the other one? Mr. Saxon Beat. Mr. Saxo Beat. Doom doom yeah, doom. Yeah. I love those. Th- those were those were good summer hits. Yeah, I'm a big fan of those. Um, I'm, I'm on a boat was a big yeah. one when we <laughs> were graduating high school. <laughs> also, much love for T-Pain. He is, I love watching his T-Pain. stuff. He streams on Twitch and I love watching his Instagram and twi- and his... Uh, Bless T-Pain. Bless his little heart. Oh, love T-Pain. Yeah, he's the best. <laughs> yeah, but... Thank you so much for tuning in. Stay tuned Mm -hmm. for more episodes. The next one will be more funny one. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, love you. Appreciate you. Thank you for stopping by. You please be sure to follow us on Instagram at Remember the Zero Zero S Podcast and listen to us where most podcasts are found. I'm not getting into the list again because I'm not Mm-mm. giving Apple people their time. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. We ain't got time for that. No. Mm-mm. Be kind to one of another. Be kind. Love each other. Embrace the nuance and just empathy, people. Empathy. Yeah. Also, just like lean into wanting to be stepped on by Lady D. Just like lean into that feeling. Also, normalize fetishes in 2021. Let's yeah. do it. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. Bye bye. Burn, motherfucker.